Hey everybody, welcome to the Patreon show, Archie Sonic Digest, Another Side, Another Story. So this is a little separate side series that we're going to be doing from the main comic. So, as the, uh, Partisians would know, the Sonic comics are wide and varied. Not just from the internal, uh, lore, but also just there are a bunch of general spin-offs and related series. The one series we're going to be focusing on right now is going to be the Sonic X comics. So, Aaron, my friend. Yes. Before we begin, general thoughts on Sonic X as a piece of the franchise. Sonic X is in a very weird position as a show. Sonic X was uh, originally produced in Japan and was brought over by four kids. Now, the four kids dub of Sonic X, as many know, is notoriously awful. Uh, they cut a lot. Uh, they changed the entire context of multiple upon multiple scenes. Uh, changed character motivations, uh, backstories, dialogue, plot, everything. everything. It all was deeply changed. And honestly, for the worse. Um, there are so many instances of this uh, on record. The most notorious of which being in the Sonic Adventure 2 adaption... The Supersonic Super Shadow Fight. The original fucking Japanese audio used Live and Learn when they fought the final hazard. And in the uh, and in the English dub, it was just their, like, generic ska music or whatever it was. Like, I, it's, that's the worst of it. Yeah. Um, but I think that um, as, as somebody who has seen some of English Sonic X... Um, I don't think English Sonic X is very good. I think it is uh, bad. It is mostly remembered for uh, the very infamous theme song that people won't shut the fuck up about. Gotta go fast. It's just the the dumbest, horrible fucking song. Hate on every level. When you talk about the Japanese version of Sonic X, it's a completely different experience. Um, I have not seen all Japanese Sonic X, but, but. I have been following it secondhand uh, through bits and pieces uh, by uh, somebody I follow on Twitter. And the context and the dialogue and the writing are so different mm-hmm. to what the English uh, English version provides that it's it's almost, it's like a completely different show. Um, I would like to do a sit down and watch of it at some point, but generally, I, I my thoughts are mostly unknown. Um... Yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. There's a lot to talk about with this show. Yeah. Uh, it, I, yeah. I remember, like, I grew up watching Sonic X when I was a little, little tiny baby boy. I would wake up early and watch uh, Sonic X on four kids whenever it would grow up. Along with, you know, Kirby right back at you. Kino show. Kino. 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 Kirby, uh, the Japanese version, Kirby of the Stars. Also Kino. Extremely. Bo- both vi- Extremely Kino. I do have very nostalgic memories of Sonic X. I did remember having a lot of excitement seeing Super Sonic for the first time. That was great. Sonic Adventure adaption was really good. Same thing with the Sonic Adventure 2 adaption, although, you know, didn't know back then the changes that they made. So I just thought I just took it for what it was worth at face value. And also Sonic X at one point did an adaption of Sonic Battle. Of all yeah, the- that's that's something I actually learned about pretty recently. I was really fucking surprised by it. Like, 
Out of all the games to do an adaption of, Sonic Battle? Yeah. Like, I whoa. Think that's just because I think that was the most recent game that came out at the time of the development of the show. Right, and I know that um, that was kind of where the second season ended. Uh, and then began, actually. it The first season... So, okay, we have to say it like this. So, Sonic X, as we Americans know it, is split up into three seasons. The first season ends, I believe, when Sonic gets the Chaos Emeralds and goes, and goes super, super right. and then induces Chaos Control. But instead of sending everyone back home, they bring some more stuff in from their world, like Angel Island and the Chaotix, and also Cream's mom, if I remember correctly. Yeah, um, Vector is also Maximum Certified MILF Hunter Vector in, in Sonic X. Which is based... Which is based, which is based, we don't want to take away from that. Vector is on the Sigma male grind set <laughs> to get fucking, uh, oh my god, what's Cream's mom's name again? Vanilla. Vanilla? To get that vanilla poon? It's hysterical. <laughs> it's actually it is, so good. It is really funny. Even Espio gives him shit for it, but you know what, yeah. Espio? You're just a hater, bro. You're yeah, you're just a hater. You're not on the Sigma male grind set. You have to get on it. No, but um, yeah, so the first season ends when um, they bring in more stuff. The second season starts, I believe, directly right after that, covers all the adaptations, and then ends when um, I think it's it's basically where the two worlds separate, right? Yeah, so the final episode of the second season was all of them going home through, like, whatever machination they were able to get through. And then, Season 3, the Metarex Saga, which is arguably the best thing about Sonic X, but the Metarex Saga takes place, like, six months after that, from their perspective. So Chris ends up crossing over to Sonic's world, and then Sonic is dealing with an alien invasion called the Metarex that want the life force of the planets that they're inhabiting for a reason I don't remember, to be honest. It's been a while. But uh, um, I, I can also say that um, the the third season takes a drastically darker tone and goes completely original, uh, original characters, original story concepts, original story ideas. Um, funnily enough, there's a misconception that Four Kids was the one who ordered this season of Sonic X, but that was never the case. Uh, TMS, the company who produced Sonic X actually made this season but only released it direct to dvd in japan and the third season of sonic x didn't air in japan until january 2020 which was in promotion for the sonic movie by the way yeah so, yeah very bizarre set of circumstances but uh in context of these comics these comics kind of takes place in like scattered throughout like the end of the first season and then near there's going to be a point that'll also start at the beginning of the second season and the timeline kind of becomes very like i want to say like innocuous it doesn't really matter exactly when these comics take place in relation to the show they're almost like vignettes to the uh original series of sonic x these are just you have the context of the characters you know who mm -hmm. they are, and you're just kind of seeing them getting into, like, wacky shenanigans, essentially. I will say one of the first big criticisms I do have of this comic, and this is just something I need to bring off right off the bat. This is an English adaptation uh, interpretation of Sonic X, which means 
a lot of the character changes and the motivations and the dialogue and a lot of the various concessions that were made for the four kids version are present here. Yep. Which fucks up a lot of things. Um, you know, obviously, Speed, we got to address him at some point. We got to address the elephant in the room. Mr. Chris Thorndike. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Uh. How do you how do you feel about uh about our human self-insert himself? Well, before I get into that, we need to understand also that if you've ever seen the pilot to Sonic X, I think the TMS pilot or whatever it was, Sonic X was not supposed... Or the original concept, I should say, to Sonic X was completely different. It was going to be a sad AM style kind of show where it's like Sonic and his friends on Mobius or their own world, whatever they wanted to call it, just like dealing with Dr. Eggman. And the character of Chris and them being on Earth never came up around like until way later on. So to say Chris feels like a shoehorned character, maybe it's a fair argument. Clearly, the producers of the show wanted the show to be seen through the eyes of Chris Thorndike, which yes. is a... Which, step one, that's already a problem, because that's not what we're here for. Yeah, it's, it also doesn't help that, like, at least in the English version, I have heard the Japanese version of Chris is a completely different character, is explained and extradited on much, much, much better, um, by, by people who have watched the series recently, so I'll have to take their word for it, but Chris isn't substantive enough and isn't in a position to where him being Sonic's new bestie, in a way, or lifelong buddy, feels, I don't want to say earned, but it doesn't feel Natural, important. either. Yeah, he feels like he's just there. And, like, he's not interesting enough, at least in the English dub, to really pull the story forward with him being a central character that affects and also completely changes several elements of the story. One of the most infamous ones being um, in the SA2 adaptation, uh, when Amy goes to talk to Shadow, and Shadow is completely prepared to nuke the world and doesn't give a fucking shit and is ready to die for Maria. Uh, Amy is the one in the game who tells him that, you know, you had a promise to keep. Why aren't you keeping it, basically? And he realizes that he fucked up and he made the wrong... And he he, ma- he didn't remember what Maria had actually told him. <laughs> so in the English dub, uh, or, or in the, the in Sonic X, uh, Chris is the one who, who tells him. And it involves a shadow bitch slapping the fuck out of Chris. <laughs> Which, you know, fair. You know. Fair. It's fair. Yeah, but like, overall, the character, again, in the English dub, does not feel cohesive to the story. And at times, it often feels like he is pushing against what could easily be a more traditional Sonic in a human world story and inhibiting it from being more cohesive. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. So... As a result, thankfully, in my opinion, there's not really a lot of Chris. That There is some in the beginning, but Chris does obviously still play that role. So I think 
let's just uh, dive right in. We've stalled long enough, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we gotta start. So, Sonic X issue one, uh, savings and grown. Writer is uh, Joe Edkin. The art done by Tim Smith III. Uh, my notes for them are a few. Uh, Edkin well, wrote previously at DC and Marvel, so don't really know how he landed here of all places. But hey, you know, got to pay your bills. I respect that. While Tim Smith is... Uh, I haven't seen much of his uh, other art in general. However, I will say that while the character designs in his way are like pretty on model... Uh, there have been allegations of him tracing screenshots of Sonic X for this comic, so yeah, I I gotta I gotta say there's some uh, some questionable art in here. Not necessarily because like it's it's necessarily like super bad or fucked up. It just looks super fucking awkward yeah. and out of place at times. And those tracing allegations seem pretty pretty legit. Yeah, in post, I'll uh, yeah, I'll see if I can find comparisons and I'll put them in. But uh, regardless, uh, we'll open on Sonic X number one. So Sonic is uh, racing Sam Speed in his car. You know, Chris's uncle, if you can remember. The whole of the people of Station Square, uh, in addition to Tails, Amy, Cream and Cheese, who, by the way, not been in the comics, the main show up until this point. That was because Sega wanted to keep... Uh, brand cohesion is the word i've used before they just didn't want to have so many different characters or the same characters in different places something that they kind of still do today which is funny to think about but cream and cheese (laughs) they're here they're there yeah and also chris is here and also his grandpa chuck which it took me until reading this comic now to realize chris's grandpa chuck sonic's uncle chuck is that is that a connection? No, it's literally just a coincidence. Don't think. Yeah, about it's it. literally a coincidence. Don't think about it, bro. Sonic narrowly beats Sam's Formula One, which pisses him off, and angrily goes back to the garage to see what he can actually do to beat Sonic. Meanwhile, uh, Eggman is in his base with his robot minions Boko and Deco. I don't think we've mentioned them before. Uh, I like these characters. What do you think about them? Yeah, I definitely think that Boko and Deco. Um, you know. Even in the English dub, they were uh, they were pretty fun. I you know Eggman having robot companions was something that was always like the staple, the staple at least with Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. So I think that giving Eggman like proper robot companions, you know, one of them is a bit of a wimp, the other one's just a big fucking idiot. It's like it's a classic. Yeah, it fit, it's a classic. It it, it fits. It fits, it fits Eggman, too. Yeah. It's even so classic, it carried over into the games. With Orbot yes, it and did. Q-Bot. Yeah, with Orbot and Cubot, yeah. Hey, come on. Hey, look at that. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, he's angry at them over the fact that they can't get new parts for his robots. Upset that they're asking to pay money for them. To which I say, Comrade Eggman. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Russian... Russian national anthem intensifies in the background. Oh, no, it gets even better because Eggman continues to complain about the usage of money on Earth, calling it this is a mass hallucination that people see value in these pieces of paper, which is like I open up this comic and immediately I'm getting propaganda for modern monetary theory. Did not expect that. Wow. Did you know that my professor in college, the one who uh, was a part of like one of my final classes and I, I, I got a perfect score on one of, the, on one of my papers for him? He's the guy who wrote a whole book on modern modern monetary theory. 
That's hilarious. Send it to me. I want to read it. I I will. It's it's actually a very good book. Um, I think I think something also very funny to mention is that uh, I'm pretty sure Sega at around this time somebody I was I was reading a, a Twitter thread about this. Sega has this weird policy with money, at least when it comes to Sonic, where they don't want money to technically be acknowledged within the Sonic universe, which is why Eggman is referring to it as a hallucination. Which so is- they want to keep. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny, and also the fact that Sega refuses to acknowledge money kind of creates the chaotics in a very awkward situation. But also, the fact remains is that they just don't want questions to be asked about, like, well, how the fuck do Sonic and friends, like, pay to live? Like, how, what do they do? How do they live? To which the answer is literally, don't worry about it. Also, Sonic is technically homeless. Yes! <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, Eggman... He has a little concoction. He has a little scheme. So I'm seeing people in my spy network. They're going to these little boxes, right? These boxes. They're pressing some buttons, and then they get the green wads of paper. So let's steal those boxes. (laughs) (laughs) We must steal the means of production. So (laughs) Deco and Boko go out into the city. They find an ATM. And after spying on someone, uh, they just decide, okay, this person pressed buttons to uh, get the money. Let's see, does that work? No. Uh, let's break into it, which he says very loudly, and then a cop arrests them immediately. Damn, a cab. Fuck them. <laughs> so later on, Sonic and Chris uh, go home. Chris is excited to see his mom and dad, who are rarely home, as Eggman finds out about banks and plots to break into one to steal catch. Getting a robot from, you know, the slot machine thing. You remember that from the show? Did this oh, thing? yeah, that's right. He does He does a little slot machine, and it custom picks the robot. It's just so cute. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's called Pack Rat Bok, this one he chooses. So, over dinner. Chris, since Chris has time off from school this week, his parents want to spend some time at the beachside villa. But they need to stop at the bank before they do so. Sonic doesn't want to come along. It, it all sounds boring. My man's got some things to do. Now... At the same bank that they go to is where Eggman crash lands in with his bot. Now, meanwhile, Sonic runs to Angel Island and basically just bothers Knuckles, asking to, like, do something with him. But Knuckles (laughs) just says, like, dude, fuck off. I don't want to entertain you. Go away. Literally. Knuckles, come on. Let's go for a run, buddy. We got shit to do. I'm kind of fucking bored. He's like, bro, you know I guard the Master Emerald, like, 24-7. Fuck off. <laughs> Do you really want someone stealing it again? Hello? Like, come on, bro. As that's happening, uh, the Eggman's attacking. Uh, Amy's able to hit the robot by smashing its back where its missiles were being kept. And it explodes over Eggman. And Eggman, in, in his, like, comedic moment, just sticks it on her. So, as Sonic is running back to the city, he hears sirens along the way. Finds the bank. And after a hit or two, when he fights it, it doesn't go down. But it hits tails, scattering power rings. Sonic grabs one, juiced up, and smashes the robot. Eggman takes the uh, opportunity of the confusion to collect some of the scattered rings and fucks off as the President of the United States come to Chris's house and thanks Sonic for his efforts once again. <laughs> Yo, you ever have the President of the United States come to your house and thank you for saving a bank? Ah, uh, can't say it's ever happened to me, but maybe one day. Yeah. And asks him to undergo a special mission, which Sonic accepts. As Eggman, back in his base, gloats about the rings being the key to Sonic's defeat. 
that's the end of the first Sonic X issue. Now, I say we started off the series very strongly with Eggman being not only a radical communist, but also <laughs> decrying the value of money instantly. Jo- uh, Edkin, Joe Edkin, based. based. Absolutely based. Um, so I think it's also important to mention the pacing we're kind of going at. These comics are not like the mainline stuff. No, they not. don't have a lot of substance. They are mostly fun and kind of, you know, self-contained stories of Sonic X. Yeah, which is fair. Um, there will be things we'll comment on, but definitely don't expect the hyper in-depth analysis uh, you've come to expect from both of us. These are more we're having fun. Relaxed. Yeah, we're gonna we're we're just gonna have fun, you know. Yeah. We're just gonna have some fun. I think it's also uh, worth mentioning. I think we should talk a little bit about power rings. Oh yeah. Um, how do you feel about the implementation of rings in Sonic X? I mean, it's definitely a more liberal interpretation of how it is in the games. Because Sonic taking them to be juiced up, number one, that's straight out of Sad AM. Again, I may think, again, that's probably just a coincidence. It's a nice way to just bring them into the game or from the games because you have the power rings, which are effectively just for protection. So now incorporating them into the series, it's like, eh, what what else could they do? Yeah, it's definitely something that I don't, I don't necessarily have an issue with. Um, it's, I, I guess I just feel like sometimes, like, I don't really like the effect they've used. For, for Sonic getting a ring and, and, and getting quote-unquote powered up. It just, it's weird. It's like he's, like, flying in midair, but, like, like, like jumping around like he's in the homing. It's it's super weird. Yeah. Anyways. It's not solidified ever, but wh- whatever. That's Sonic X number one. Let's move on to Sonic 2. Edkin and Smith uh, were the team behind this. Now, the mission that the president has given Sonic. He will be leading the discovery theme of what they think is a pirate ship that sunk near the Emerald Coast 300 years ago. And from their detections, one of the treasures could be a Chaos Emerald. So, he'll be joined by Chuck and gun agents Topaz and Rouge. So, how do you feel about Topaz? Because uh, Based. Um, lover. Yeah. It's really weird that out of all the characters to be given a partner... Rouge is the one who gets it, right? Because Rouge is already a character who is in that middle ground in the games where she does have depth and she's actually kind of interesting when you start to like analyze like her motives, who she is as a person and her connection to specific people. But then the decision to just be like, yeah, we're hooking the thief up with the government agent. Good dynamic. They bounce off each other well. Yeah, it's fun is what it is. Honestly, if there were more, like, Topaz and Rouge Centers episodes of Sonic X, my opinion of it would be a little higher. Agreed. They are, uh, Topaz is a great character. Um, I wish that they used her more. Uh, there's talk about them finding a Chaos Emerald like this in the past. You know, they're referring to one episode of the show where, like, Sonic went uh, Bowie diving and found a Chaos Emerald in the ocean. The president is aware of that situation, so that's why they're sending Sonic for this task. And as the teams dive into the sea, Knuckles sees them out from Angel Island, uh, wondering what's going on. You know, Sonic hates water and all. And also, I have a note here, uh, me thinking that this Knuckles in the art looks traced. I'll see about that in post. Yeah, that, that looks pretty traced. Hmm. 
So Eggman has been seeing all this, showing that he melted Sonic's rings down into two AA batteries, and this will be used to power the machine to bring Sonic's down, quote, since he's fallen into the trap. And he calls them Dragon Bots. Wow. Here's an even better wow moment, another Owen Wilson moment. (laughs) Sonic, Topaz, and Rouge dive down into the ship called the MacGuffin. Wow. Wow. So inside, Rouge finds a treasure chest, leading to be attacked by a shark, which kind of leads Chris to think that it's actually the ghost of the captain, and Chuck kind of doesn't argue against it, which is very weird for a scientist, but, uh, you know, uh, I've seen worse from Rick and Morty, so I'll let this pass. (laughs) I was going to do that joke. I was going to do that joke. All right, well, I'm very sorry to inform you that uh, Chuck is based for believing in the paranormal, even though he's a scientist. Sometimes you gotta have a little bit of superstition. Of course. So, Topaz sees Sonic and Rouge fighting the sharp, trying to think of a way to help them, until a shadowy figure from behind gives her a candelabrum, and she just takes it and rushes in. She doesn't see it, by the way. It's, like, literally behind her back. So as far as she knows that this thing just floated in front of her and she just grabbed it. So while that's happening, Eggman is prepping. Deco and Boko ask, hey, why don't you just use Sonic's rings to make yourself powerful? Why, why are you just doing this? And Eggman says, these rings are hard-coded to react only to Sonic's physio- physiology. Which is a very interesting thing to know because I don't think the show ever said something like that. It's probably plot set up to like just be like, "Hello, yes, uh, we need a we need a way to explain this." But like, it also makes sense. Yeah. It's it's reasonable. I mean, it's tails holding on to them, so he probably did some science magic just in case a scenario like this ever happened. Oh yeah, or maybe tails just made them too. Who's to know? We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. So on that note, he said the next best thing I could do is just melt them down into batteries. And these dragon bots will be piloted by, quote, the meanest Komodo dragons Eggman could find. Which, again, there's something kind of interesting that not even Sonic X in the show went about doing is the fact that Eggman used animals to power robots, which is something that we're going to get into in a little bit. Yeah, it's interesting that, like, the the cartoonish, like, like animals, I think it... Are they called flickies, or the, are those just the birds? Uh, I think the flickies are called birds, and all the others are called. I think they're. I know the comic called the Mobinis. I don't know if the sh- Mobinis. The- <laughs> yeah. Wow. What know. a fucking name, bro. <laughs> I don't know if the games kept that, but you know that's. Yeah. What well, it is. the well, well, the animal buddies um in the uh the animal buddies uh, being used as like real life animals is definitely an interesting concept. I appreciate that. That's that's a cool take. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So, uh, the shark bites the candelabra, it breaks its... And also its teeth, so it fucks off. Eggman flies over Angel Island, en route to the ship nearby with his dragon bots. Knuckles sees it and is just like, oh shit, there's actually... If Eggman's here, probably means there's a chaos emerald down there. Guess I gotta... Oh, I guess I gotta take oh, care of myself. Got- <laughs> Knuckles, okay, we, we are removed from Pender's Knuckles this this is our this, knuckles. This is this is my knuckles. My, my knuckles. knuckles. Our knuckles. Hell yeah. <laughs> he rushes in, saving Chris and Chuck and Tails after the dragon bots attack them. 
Chuck warns Sonic via radio that he's in danger. Knuckles berating the guards to give him diving gear. Which, I mean, just get the air necklace, bro. You're good. You're good. Come on, come on, bro. You just gotta go into aquatic mine. You gotta, gotta raise the water level to, was it, two or three? Uh, I don't remember. I don't Maybe remember three. Either. I think three. I think three, yeah. The Dragon Bots are now attacking Sonic, Topaz, and Rouge. Still unable to actually open the treasure chest, not doing much damage. And Sonic isn't trapped in one of them as Knuckles comes in, punching him out left, right, and center. To which also we have an interesting uh, note of Topaz saying, Oh, I see. I now see what you see in Knuckles, Rouge. Quote, if he were human, I'd be attracted to him. That's kind of a... So a bit of a weird champ moment. Just a little, little, little bit of a weird champ moment. Uh, in my notes, all I say is furry. That's it. <laughs> true, fucking true, dude. So uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, some figure uh, takes the batteries out of the robots. Out pops the kimono dragon. Sonic breaks open the battery to find his rings and realize, oh, Eggman made these batteries. And uh, uses the rings to break the other robot. So, uh, it's over. Day is saved. They get the treasure chest, but there was no Chaos Emerald. And Chuck thinks, oh, well, you know, maybe the ghost of the captain of this ship helped them along the way. Unbeknownst to them, was standing behind them this whole time. Saying, and I quote, that was the most fun I've had since I crossed the Grand Line. Yo! I'm playing the One Piece rap right now. Which also originally was a four kids production, so you know what? I for I dismissed this at first, but it's like oh haha funny reference, but since they were both done by four kids, I'll give this one a pass. Listen, all I'm gonna say, all I'm gonna say is I don't care how much you think One Piece sucked when you were a kid because of the four kids version of it. One Piece, read it or watch it subbed. You deserve it to yourself. In indeed. That shit Kino. Really is. Never has there ever been a, a greater story told next to Berserk, of course. 364 was today. That I don't did you read that last chapter, man? I haven't yet. Did it get you? Did it hurt you right here? It is the most insane twist that Miura could have done at, at this point in the story. Oh no! Oh. It is, it is pretty fucking insane, and that's, and the fact that that's what he's leaving us with. Oh my god, I, I have no words. Eggman curse of the day, and we're done here. That's Sonic X number two done and dusted. On to three. Number three. Same team, Edkin and Smith. So the, this is an interesting situation starting off right here because. It starts off alluding to the Emerald Coast in Sonic Adventure, Sonic being chased by killer whales. Uh, long story short, he's caught in an Eggman trap. These whales are chasing him, along with him getting thrown coconuts by the Egg Monkey robots, you know the one, all to rescue Cheese, as Eggman is just reveling what he's looking at. Quote, keeping Sonic distracted while I put my master plan into motion. Meanwhile, though, uh, Sam is still in his garage souping up his F1 car, as Bokun, don't think we've talked about him yet, the, the third uh, to this uh, little situation. Because as we all know, Scratch and Grounder had coconuts. Uh, so now we got uh, Bokun with Boko and Diko. Yeah, yeah, Boko and Pico. 
<laughs> so anyway, this little delivery <laughs> robot thing uh, delivers him a fuel injector, which says, hey, put this in your car. You'll go faster than Sonic. And he fucks off. And now Sonic, he's still continuing to evade the traps, commenting that the wasp robots he's seeing remind him of the Green Hill days. Uh, more on this later, but this is kind of an interesting thing because we as a community have been like just so overfed with Green Hill's so nostalgia, but actually- Please no, I don't want to go back. But I also do want to say that this, at this point, this is about like 14, almost 15 years into Sonic. This is, I think the first, uh, the first acknowledgement of Green Hill Zone in an official Sonic media. So, hey, take that for what it's worth. Yeah. All the while, Bokun is distributing gifts to various people. New chair for the president, a new computer for Topaz saying it's from Rouge, a large gift basket for Mr. Stewart, Chris's teacher, literally not important, don't even think about him. Sonic reaches the end of the path, jumping on a capsule, releasing some animals, including cheese. As Eggman tells Boko and Deco, his plan is to have new, more powerful robots to be piloted by the most ferocious animal on the planet, human beings. So, this is what I was talking about a little earlier on. So, Eggman has the fucking giga-brained idea to just be like, Yo, the, these robots that I'd used before in the past that were powered by little fucking animals? Bullshit. Tired. S- silly. No. You know what's going to be so fucking base, though? You know what would be, like, fucking hysterical? I'm going to have these robots be forcibly piloted by human beings and s- juice it up. Based. I'm so fucking smart. Honestly, very genius move. Eggman is truly 300 IQ. God tier. It's actually a really creative tool. Later that day, Chris comes home with a permission slip to a field trip for the Chation Square Space Museum. As uh, Tails, Sonic, and Amy all plan to meet Chris and his class there. They're all inside after riding the bus there. Eggman, on the side, gloats that Sonic won't be able to bother him anymore after this. And sends in some killer robots, which engages Sonic, Tails, and Amy. So when Sam hears the news about the robots attacking without testing the new fuel injector, plans to go help, especially with Chris being there. The robots uh, kidnap Francis and Daniel, two of Chris's friends. And on that note, transforms into an armored truck, speeding off with booster rockets on its back. That's when Sam happens to get there, and with Sonic, they both rush to get them free. And uh, coming into a turn, Sam is just going a little too fast and breaks past the railing off a cliffside. His car's a parachute, he's fine, it's okay, it's fine. Sonic continues to follow the truck. And with that, Eggman pushes a button, entangling everyone who got gifts including Chris, who's nearby one of the robots in the museum, and gets put inside of the shell to pilot it. Uh, Sonic saves Francis and Daniel using a ring from earlier and brings them back. But despite that the class has been evacuated, Chris and Stuart are still inside being held hostage. Sonic rushes back inside to Tails and Amy and jumps in the hole in the ground that was made, seeing one of the robots earlier targeting Sonic who does not know Chris is the one forcibly piloting it. I have a last note here. Uh, man, Ava 4.0 looks like shit. Oh my fucking god. You gotta, you gotta stop, Speed. You gotta stop. You can't disrespect Anno. He'll make another rebuild movie. He'll make him, he'll make you even more mad. Uh, that's the point of those movies, man. What are you saying? 
I know. That's the beauty of them. So that's Sonic X number three done. Don't have much to say. It's fun. We're having fun. It's fun. We're having fun. We're so, having a good time. Sonic X number four. Again, Edkin and Smith. So Sonic about to make contact with the robot Chris is piloting is too late to stop the missiles from launching and are en route to Angel Island. By the way, a news reporter is on scene telling this is like in excruciating detail, including saying stuff how like, uh, the oh, Angel Island has the Master Emerald guarded by Knuckles the Echidna, the last of his kind. Like, why are you putting Knuckles' business out there like that? What the hell's the wrong with you? It's a very good question. Uh, why the fuck are you letting everyone know about a very, very, very dangerously powerful fucking emerald that could destroy everything and everyone but no you have to run your big fucking mouth fuck you tails and amy join sonic to fight chris's robot again still unknown he's in there and it becomes electrically charged shocking the three of them now eggman orders the other robots that have trapped humans inside rouge is following the one that topaz is in and warns sonic not to destroy them too badly these robots all have humans in them you got to be careful here and after seeing Chris's name in his handwriting from a laser bass from Run Robot, he gets it. Due to the plan of not smashing just to incapacitate, they're kind of putting themselves at a disadvantage and are quickly overpowered by the robots, leaving Deco and Boko impressed. Eggman later telling them that he got the parts for the robots basically after threatening a hardware store with robots, which, you know, hey... That'll do the job, you know. He doesn't have money, so hey. <laughs> Tails and Rouge, you're knocked out cold. Tails drops a power ring. Sonic's still entangled, but he managed to grab it and is able to be freed. Rescues Amy and Tails and Rouge. They're all good. But outnumbered, they're kind of at odds exactly what to do. Until Chuck flies in on the X-Tornado with Knuckles and Cream and Cheese. Still not able to do much of anything, unfortunately. Sonic goes headfirst for Chris's robot and is now pinned to a wall. Ring power wearing off. Same situation with Rouge Tack by Topaz. While Tails tries to go for the remote Eggman is controlling the robots with. And the one controlled by the president captures Tails. However, Chris is able to will himself to break free of the control and releases Sonic. And now, of all the ones to come up with a plan here, it's fucking cheese. So he flies down into the one of the robots, breaks the helmet off the president's head, freeing him. And after Eggman sees all this plans fall apart, he just resorts to plan B. Self-destruction. <laughs> he said, Ayo, I'm not having this one go up in flames. Fuck it! Tails grabs the button, though. It shuts off the robots, which lets the human controllers go free. And... Everyone's alive, so Eggman's like, eh, alright, fine. He flies off, Sonic, Chris, and the gang walk out of the museum, uh, day is saved. Hooray, we're done here. Hooray, we did it. It's the three-parter, kinda, sorta, not really. Anyhow! Here's something a little interesting for you, folks. Sonic X number five. Edkin wrote, but uh, we have a new artist we're being introduced to. You might have heard of him. His name is uh, Tracy Yardley. Ah, uh, <laughs> very funny that we talk about Mr. Yardley. Yes. Concerning so, uh, some uh, comments yeah, that were made on, yeah, uh, on re- Twitter. Recently. Yeah. Recently. He dele- look, he deleted those tweets, all right? Let's move on. Let's just, you know. It's fine. It's fine. You fucked up. Everybody gets one. But Tracy Arley's a great artist otherwise. Yeah, he is. And uh, w- I'm going to leave it to the main show to talk more about his art in depth. But excellent. Excellent artist. 
Yeah, we we'll we'll have we'll have a lot to say. I'll so, uh, Sonic is saving an endangered hour from a forest fire. He brings it safely. Chris and everyone they're at home watching it, cheering Sonic on. But a uh, cream noticed cheese a little despondent, saying that a uh, uh, cheese might miss being around other Chow. And also, cream calls cheese a her. I, I just bring this up because technically Chow are a gender. So Cream just misgendered her own best friend. Cancelled. 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 Are we? Are we? Are we? Are we doing that? I mean, are we, I, I, I mean, like, listen, like, I don't have a problem with that. I'm just like, are we? I, 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 I guess. <laughs> Anyways, so Cream recalled the perfect chaos incident. To call offered Cheese to come back with them and the rest of the Chow, but Cheese just said no. I want to stay with Cream. This is my friend and Chris. In a weird way, kind of relates to that. His parents are out of the house so often he barely sees them. And besides that, his grandpa and maiden butler just kind of did what they could to keep him from feeling lonely growing up. And as a kid, there there was a, a backyard camp of them with his school friends. And Chuck tells a story of what the chances of alien life on another planet could be like. And in this art, we actually see like the faces of Sonic and the gang, even Cosmo funnily enough oh fuck wait yeah there it is i see it now yeah which also i want to stress something so this is something i neglected to mention in the beginning but uh the sonic x comics okay uh they started in i think 2008 no they started in 2005 2005 but the fact remains they were in 2005 sonic x finished in 2004 so uh how'd this happen a really good question how did this happen uh, that's above my pay grade um <laughs> so uh the point is uh the kids uh decide to fall asleep in their tent they're kind of a little freaked out by the talk of aliens so much so they get spooked by ella cleaning up and she's like oh i thought you guys were asleep yeah, sorry <laughs> flashback into the future now sonic comes back chris shows gratefulness for you know, technically meeting aliens and becoming friends with them, and, you know, take special attention to Cream as well. Meanwhile, in Eggman's lair, we see him playing with a chow. To he reveals to Deco and Boko that it's actually a cloned chow, taking from a clipping of Cheese's wing when he kidnapped them a while ago. Speaking, and besides speaking weirdly, this chow says chaw versus like a normal chow sound. This clone becomes hostile when put near radio waves, instantly turning it into an aggressive dark chow. Interesting use of the dark chow. I like it. I like it. Interesting. I'm a fan of using these concepts. Now, Eggman then goes on to show a whole chow garden's worth of these clones, which he he plans to sell them as pets, and when he achieves, quote, total market penetration... <laughs> it's a very funny complete, way to put it. Wait, complete global saturation. <laughs> Fucking Wesker. He'll activate their sleeper agents to cause massive chaos and destruction. Quote From the ashes and rubble, I will become emperor of all that I survey. Based. <laughs> After an aggressive but successful marketing campaign, all of Station Square have their own flying chows flying about with them. 
And Sonic and the gang see all this, thinking that Eggman must have brought them back from their own world. But Cheese is, like, trying to converse with them, but, like, can't really. Because, again, Chow, they're saying Cha. Cheese tells Cream that these Chow are not from their world. I don't know what these are. It's almost like they're speaking a different language. Because Cheese says these Chow are basically calling them mother and repeating the time is almost here. (laughs) Comrade, the time is almost here. (laughs) And also saying it's like they have really bad accents. All I can say is that's fucking hysterical. (laughs) (laughs) They're just a bunch of uh, Slovenian uh, uh, imposter chavs. So, uh... Sus. Sussy Baka moment. No, 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 you're not. No, no, no. Just, I I don't even know why I said it. (laughs) Sussy Baka moment. So Chris's mom (laughs) is doing a a red carpet walk and can't bring her chow with her. It keeps flying into the shot. You know how it is. It's like, hey, Chris, can you watch it for a while while I do this? All the while, this chow is like fucking sizing up cheese and flexing at him. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. On that note... That's when Eggman pushes the button, activating the chow. It turns instantly, biting the couch and throwing it to Sonic, Tails, and Amy's path. Now I see why it was sizing up cheese. You know, It's showing off a little bit. Amy is able to whack it out of flight. Sonic is able to hogtie it with the lamp's electrical cord and holds it into a trash bin. And now the gang brings the contained chow out with them, Chuck driving into the city. Only to find the whole of Station Square being mobbed by Dark Chow. That's the end of number five. Now, for this new arc, very strong start. Yeah, I gotta say, I mean, this is good setup. And it's like, it's using ideas from the games in a cute way that doesn't feel reductive. Which is something that I think is really important to mention. Yeah. You can fuck up these kinds of things really, 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 really hard. And using the idea of, oh, they're like, they're, they're artificially bred chow. And they just become dark chow when, when we use, uh, when we use a certain signal. I was like, that's good. We'll be right back. And now, let's move on to Sonic X number six. Uh, Edkin and Yardley was the creative team. We have a little bit of a recap of going on. There's also a moment of the gang eating fast food. Sonic's holding a burger saying, hard to believe this is the king of anything. Sonic having a little review bra moment, if I do say so myself. <laughs> uh, Amy says it was better than the box of dominoes they had earlier. Haha. <laughs> so look, the point of this is that Knuckles is feeling uh, lonely because he's the last of his kind. Until... On the island, he's caught in the glowing light of the Master Emerald, and a voice calls out to him that he is needed. I thought we got rid of Ken Penders. <laughs> no! No! Stay away! <laughs> bad, bad, bad. So, thank God, though, the voice is to call. We don't... Oh, thank okay! God. Crisis averted! Crisis fucking averted! If I had to see that shit stay lock in this comic, I would have fucking flipped my PC! Uh, the Master Emerald brought her back from the past to fight this great threat on the planet, including bringing along chaos and an army of Chow. Well, that's pretty cool. Now, we see Station Square. The gang get ready for a fight. Tails asking not to hurt the Chow per se. Sonic replying, we can't let them hurt people. Just do what you gotta do, okay? 
So, Sonic saves a man from a high-rise, Tails saves a baby from falling to the rogue, and Amy clogs a ripped-out fire hydrant. All the while, Cheese is seen holding their head, complaining that there's like a really bad headache, some noise that only they can hear. Chuck, suspecting that this noise may be the reason behind all this. Ooh, big brain. Eggman is revealing in all this mayhem and begins to begin step two. A giant mech shaped like himself called the Egg-Gantor. Bringing along Deco, Boko, and Bokun to Station Square to be crowned Emperor of Earth. Sonic, Tails, and Amy are cornered by the Choa army, but scatter themselves. Some launch towards them, breaking the glass of the hardware store behind them. So <laughs> Sonic is like, huh, oh boy. In Hindo, they hear the sound of revving. And from the broken windows, the Choas come out with fucking chainsaws. This is a certified metal moment. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. They're able to take the chainsaws away, Sonic especially by taking them to juggle them, as Chuck is trying to jam the radio frequency. But all the while, that's where Tikal and the Chow army arrive to fight. That's where- and also Eggman shows up at the same time demanding a surrender. Sonic is exasperated. Tikal tells Sonic, don't worry about it, we plan for this. Tikal brings the Chaos Emeralds to Chaos, and using their power, he's able to grow to the same size as the mech for a good old kaiju fight. Oh hell yeah bro, hell yeah. See, now this is cool. You're using concepts and ideas from the game, but you're morphing them into unique versions because, well, you have that ability. And so specifically what's happening here, Perfect Chaos is relying on the positive energy of the Chaos Emeralds, so it won't go berserk this time. Now during all these fights, Chuck finishes the radio to counteract the waves. It's able to pacify Chris's mom's chow, and she says their head doesn't hurt anymore. So he gives it to Tails, who flings it to Sonic, runs all over Station Square to pacify as much chow as he can, and manages to get all of them. Chow's restored, Perfect Chaos knocks the head off Eggman's mech, which leads him to retreat. So as all said and done, Takal plans to take these chow back with her, and again asks Cheese to come along. She still says no but does want to come visit if they can. Takal says, yes, absolutely. All you gotta do, Cheese, is call for me, and I'll come. She and the other Chow vanish, and later, the heroes have a nice victory meal in Chris's home in celebration. That's the end of Sonic X number 6. A very, very strong uh, little story, I think. Yeah, I think it's interesting that they basically went completely in on the, uh, you know, use of the adventure concepts and the Chow... And chaos, which I really do like that they showed what would happen if chaos used the pos positive power of the, the, the chaos emeralds. It's cool. I, I do like all the creative liberty that they're uh, giving. It's almost like this guy, Joe Edkin, is using that power for good, unlike a certain someone we know. Somebody. Yes. Hmm. It's almost yes. like knowing about the games will add a flavor to the to the text of this comic. Huh. Mm, Who would have thought? Mm, mm, yes. 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 Who would have thought? So, yes. Sonic X number seven. Uh, Joe Edkin wrote, uh, new artist David Hutchinson uh, did the art. Could not find much info on him, unfortunately. But regardless, uh, some workers are doing their thing in the sewers, and they find a sealed off door. It looks like it's been abandoned, but 
something is still there. Spooked by noises, they leave. Unbeknownst to them, though, a figure observes them. And by the silhouette, we see this is Emerald, the robot from Sonic Battle. Emerald, what are you, what are you doing here, buddy? <laughs> you just... You just showing up in the comic? All right. He's taking, okay. taking a little look. But that night, the president assigns Topaz and Rouge to investigate the issue. Their commanding officer, Westwood, he feels undermined. He feels like he should have been on that mission. He feels that because Topaz has Rouge as a partner, he's been overshadowed and has the, the best logical conclusion to the situation. Says... If Sonic were to join Gun, I could assign him as my partner, and I'd stop being undermined. That's so fucking weird. That's yeah. so fucking weird. Yeah, I don't know where, uh... I don't know what... I think this guy's an original character for the comic, right? I don't think he was in the show. I don't think he was in the, the, the show either, uh, off the top of my head. Interesting. So, at this moment, a grunt gives him a report about an unidentified object found buried in a desert outside the city. And tells him, hey, 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 shut up. Shut the, shut your mouth. I'll deal with this personally. Thinking he can get Sonic to join Gun like this. Now we move to Chris's house. It's his birthday. Chris mentions he's excited to have his friends over and to see his parents. But uh, Chuck tells him that his mom and dad are uh, stuck in Paris getting ready for the World's Fair and can't come back. But uh, Chris doesn't seem to mind just having the gang, though. But at that moment, Westwood arrives to the mansion asking for Sonic. Saying, Sonic, President Aska, you to accompany me to find potential Eggman tech in the desert. Sonic doesn't really want to go. He'd rather spend the day with Chris, but Chris is like, eh, I'll have other birthdays, man. Just go. Don't worry about it. Meanwhile, Rouge and Topaz are taking their mission on and find the room. They're still being spied on by Emerald and can't get the passcode to unlock a computer. Emerald is behind a set of pipes. Rouge is suspicious of it. But he activates a speed sensor thing and is able to run fast enough away to not be caught by Rouge. Then Topaz gets a radio message saying the mission is suspended. The president has an urgent matter for them. The tunnel will be sealed off until it's completed. Westwood brings Sonic to the site, gives him a shovel, and using his speed creates a massive crater. All the while, Westwood asks Sonic, hey, what are you doing hanging out with Chris, huh? Like, like you're, you're you. What are you doing hanging out with this fucking kid? And Sonic's like, well, when I first got here, this kid was the first person to give me and my friends shelter. So you know what? Chris can hold his own, I think. He's fine. What's the problem? And there's like a little bit of a back and forth there as well of Westwood trying to convince Sonic to work with him. Which is also very interesting because specifically he says, Sonic, like, come on. Your country needs you. What are you doing? And Sonic is like, bro, my country is on another fucking planet. Shut up. You know what the best part is? This guy is just a military recruiter. Gross. Gross. Truly despicable. One of the worst jobs in human existence. Eventually, Sonic stops digging and they find a massive purple alien looking ship. Now, Emerald follows Rouge and Topaz into their ship to fly back as Sonic and Westwood begin getting attacked by this thing. Sonic's got no rings. Could be a little rough, but... uh. Westwood is clearly enjoying the moment and tells Sonic, hey man, don't break it too badly. Maybe, you know, maybe it could be some valuable stuff here. He severs the wires and it shuts down. And Westwood praises Sonic for stopping the machine with minimal damage and slips up when he says Sonic that he should join Gun and the president will give Sonic a lucrative job when Westwood says it was his idea to bring Sonic on. 
So Sonic is like, hey, wait, hold on a minute. It told me the president wanted me on this mission. I, no, no, you're a little liar. You're a weaselly little liar, dude. He, he bitches, you know, it's really funny that this entire scene is just Sonic being like, yo, motherfucker, your lies, your bullshit. Yeah. Chris may be a little bitch, but guess what? He ain't no fucking liar. He pulls through. Don't lie, ho. So in response, Sonic covers the machine back up and basically tells Westwood, fuck off. I don't work with people I don't trust. And as far as Westwood goes back on, you know, him getting back to the city, Sonic says, well, why don't you try asking a friend? Although you probably don't have any. As he runs back to Chris's place for his birthday. Rouge and Topaz then arrive to the president's hall. The president says this mission was actually for Westwood, but he's not anywhere to be found. So, it's on you now. Eggman's been spotted in Paris. Go find out what he's up to. As Emerald steps out of the shadows, saying that maybe following them around will give him answers on who he is. And as Sonic gets back home, in time for the party, when Chuck turns on the TV, they get a satellite call from Chris's parents, saying, we sorry you can't be there for your birthday, Chris, but to make it up for you, we're going to fly all you guys out to Paris to celebrate your birthday at the World's Fair. Wow. And that's the end of number seven. On to number eight. Uh, special mention to the cover uh, here. Uh, it's a cute little picture of uh, Eggman drawing Sonic being captured. Uh, and, uh, you know, Sonic uh, narrowly evading it in the, uh, the actual real world. Of course. Uh, yeah, Spaz does all the covers here, and they're all really fun. I like a lot of these covers. They're good. Uh, Edkin and Smith writing an art. So, we open on our guy, Big the Cat. Let's get On the, ba- the based god himself. Big don't fucking care when, where, how, that motherfucker going fishing. And that's what he's doing. He's vibing in Paris. My man's fishing in the rivers of Paris. A fireworks display begins to start the opening to the World's Fair. The gang's all here. Chris's parents and, uh... Francis, Danny, and Helen. Some of Chris's friends came along for the ride. And also, Rouge and Topaz are in Paris, looking for signs of Eggman as he, Boko, Dico, and Bokun are there seemingly to enjoy the food. And Eggman, you know, he's in a painter's smock. He's, he's doing a little something-something on the side to earn the fake money. And now, in D.C., the president is chastising Westwood for being unable to be contacted for the mission that he gave Topaz and Rouge. And he intends... He's to get like a little bit of some kind of revenge for the situation he's been putting himself in. Now back in Paris, Chris's dad reveals he's actually the headlining act for the World's Fair to reveal the Nelson Industries space shuttle and offers Chris to be the first passenger as a part of his birthday gift. Very compromising situation in today's political environment, but hey. Yes, hey. yes, uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, uh-uh. So Eggman, he's running a canvas painting stand. That's fun. That's fun. He tells Deco he's here because I want that spacecraft. The egg carrier is fine, but it's only subordinable. But with that tech in the spaceship, I can, I can go to the stars, boys. I can go to the stars, specifically the moon, and begin my plans for conquest. Now, Big and Froggy, they're spotting Eggman in the crowd, while Topaz and Rouge can't seem to find him. 
So they radio into Westwood, who wants to use this as an opportunity to kind of make fools of them, and orders them back to D.C. Topaz relays to Rouge that they've been ordered back, but Rouge says, hey, wait, hang on. Why don't we just stay around here until the rocket is revealed? That's obviously the target here. And look, I'm willing to take the heat for this, so, you know, let's just play along here. So Topaz decides to say, okay. All the while, Emeril is still following them, unable to find hints on his past. And so, the moment of the reveal. Chris's mom is acting as a spokesperson for the event and pushes the button, revealing the spaceship. Everyone is impressed by it. As Eggman presses his own button, turning multiple World's Fair attractions into sentient robots, including the Eiffel Tower. I feel like that's just, that's a little bit of a bra moment there, but <laughs> they attack. Sonic, Tails, and Amy, they're springing into action. Eggman uses the chaos to try to get to the shuttle. Rouge and Topaz join in too in this little fight. Emerald trying to keep up with them. A mime robot is about to fall on top of Topaz. Emerald figures he can't let her die, so he breaks the head of the robot, saving her. So Chris now sees a dog tied to a pole. Tanaka's butler pushes both him and the dog out of the way of a runaway roller coaster, crashing about five feet away. But this dog is still barking at something, which is a robot constructed out of the Eiffel Tower, as previously mentioned. As our man Big catches up to Eggman. Big, okay, so what Big actually says when he when he says is, uh, you're going to steal the show thingy? That's not nice. But what he actually said was, who was in Paris, Dr. Eggman? <laughs> no! <laughs> and he runs away because he can't answer! <laughs> no! Big hit him with the catch-22, bro! You can't answer! <laughs> Which... Uh... Uh... So, what exactly happens is like, okay... Uh, he runs off, and Big is like, nah, bitch. He reels him in, brings him- Who was in Paris? <laughs> Who was in Paris, doctor? And it's just like, all right, all right, you caught me. What are you going to do? How are you going to stop me from stealing the shuttle, huh? <laughs> Deleting Big to fucking punch him in the nose. <laughs> he just keeps repeating it, man. <laughs> Who was in Paris? Who was in Paris? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I saw this. I saw this issue took place in Paris, and I saw Big, and I was like, "This is the target." <laughs> target acquired. Target acquired. And now the Eiffel Tower robot is about to crush Chris and the dog. Sonic rushes in, ties it up, giving Chris time to free the dog. Tails and Amy find Rouge and Topaz. The latter of which saying they're looking for Eggman as well. And it didn't take long for Eggman, still holding his nose, to be noticed he's running into the Hall of Mirrors, being chased by Big. He's not giving up on that. He wants his answer to that question. (laughs) (laughs) Emerald notices Eggman, and after processing the information, recognizes Eggman as his master. They all run into the hall. Amy's just, like, indiscriminately smashing mirrors left, right, and center whenever she sees Eggman on one. And after Sonic explaining to fight Eggman, Emerald, right behind them, says, Oh, in order to protect my master, the blue one must be destroyed. Yeah, and he just casually pulls out a giant fucking cannon out of his fucking chest. And that's the end of number eight. Oh, we got two more, right? We got two more, we got two more. Sonic X number nine. Emerald's about to, about to attack Sonic, sneak attack moment. 
as a spider robot breaks the roof trying to attack Sonic. Uh, Sonic rushes into it to do a little bit of damage, which leaves Emerald to start processing some of Sonic's abilities. While the gang is distracted, Eggman tells the robot lackeys, just go to the shuttle and grab it, just go. And in the attack, the floor caved in, dropping Chris, Tanaka, Rouge, Topaz, and Big under the sewers. And after screaming for some help, Sonic grabs a power ring, burrows underground, and gets them out to safety. Both Sonic and Emerald, latter which copying his abilities, are fighting to break the spider bot, Emerald seeing it as a threat to Eggman as well. So Tails, Amy, and Rouge go back into the sewers to get Big and Froggy as Topaz and Tanaka take Chris to safety. The three lift Big out as he casts his fish in line to get Froggy. Sonic and Emerald are ripping apart the robot's legs as Eggman is getting nearer to the shuttle. He's stopped by Chris's mom and dad. Chris's mom manages to hit Eggman again in the nose, bragging that Jackie Chan himself taught her self-defense. To which he responds by entrapping them in a net, giving Deco and Boko the keys to the egg carrier. They fly it out to Egypt to the hideout there, as Bokun and him steal the shuttle. So this robot is finally disabled. Sonic's saved by Tails in the fall, but Emerald is severely damaged. One hand is torn off, and he's unable to process his surroundings. The only comprehensible thought is to find his master. He sees Eggman taken off with the shuttle. Chris is like, oh, well, it's okay. My dad can build another one. Casually saying that. Uh, uh, in uh, this economy. <laughs> this economy, bro. <laughs> Topaz says, like, yeah, well, Gun can probably recover it. All the while, Eggman overhears Eggman on the shuttle, copies the information of the rocket boosters, which generates a jetpack on his back to catch up to the shuttle. Emerald, like, spider crawls his way, breaks into it, calls Eggman Dr. Robotnik asking him for help. Bokun is like, what? Who's that? What are you talking about? And Eggman, upon seeing this robot, says like, oh, maybe this can be a new weapon to fight Sonic with. And uh, once we're in Egypt, I'll disassemble him. And so, the broken robot falls into the sewers. Sonic is like, ah, well, no harm, no foul. No one was in there anyway. Chris's parents are rescued. Westwood revels in the fact that Rouge and Topaz disobeyed his direct orders and rubbing salt in the wound that he found blueprints in the lab they were originally tasked to investigate and the president will be hearing about the situation. What a bitch. Fuck this guy. He's literally so cringe. Holy fuck. Despite all this, it was a fun day for the gang. Cream thought that eh, maybe the shuttle could take them back to their world, but eh, oh well. Oh well. And even Sonic says, hey, Chris, maybe one day you should come to our world. You'll see real excitement there. Which, again, this comic came out after the third season was finished. So, like, hey, you know. Yeah. Hey, you know. Hey, you know. So, we have arrived at our final issue for this episode. Yes, we uh, Issue have. number 10. And ironically enough, it is celebrating Sonic's 15th anniversary. Ooh, Gee, I Lord. wonder what else. Came out on Sonic's 15th anniversary. I don't know. I'm drawing a blank. Oh, you know what came out recently? Hmm? Funny what we talk about Sonic's 15th anniversary. Project 06. You play that yet or nah? Uh, I played an older version. Haven't gone around to the Shadow update. Yeah, I played the, the Sonic stuff. Uh, it's, it's, it's pretty good. I'm probably going to play the Shadow stuff uh, this weekend. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. But yeah, Sonic's 15th anniversary. So uh, let's see what the party's about. Number 10. Uh, Edkin wrote, Yardley did the art. 
Remember how I said the comic, uh, the timeline kind of like kind of wavers back and forth, doesn't really matter. So now we're getting some some solidity here. Now this comic onwards is going to take place around season two ish because now the Chaotix and Vanilla are here. Vector just says, well, hey, you know, I don't know what the hell's going on here, but I'm going to keep the detective agency in business. At the very least, though, Cream thanks Espio for bringing her mom, saying, hey, you know, we may be stuck on Earth, but at least we're stuck here together. They go their separate ways, and a minor Trevor hits, and behind, they see Vector's agency shack just being warped away for no reason. Hey, yo, your place got fucking teleported. Chuck figures that uh, it was probably because the barrier between Earth and Sonic's world are still kind of unstable, so they kind of, they may have been warped back home. Even Amy, like, kind of a little upset, just like, you're telling me that if we just, like, went inside, we could have gone home? Fuck. Now, a week later, Westwood is grilling Topaz for disobeying orders. Even though she and Rouge objectively did a good job, even being personally thanked by the President of France was the reason why they were not dismissed by gun. And Westwood admits plainly, Topaz, I don't like you. I don't even like the fact that your partner isn't human, which is racist. And also comes from the same world as Eggman and is admittedly a thief. Damn, bro, this is hitting like the Trump era administration government so perfectly. Wow, I can't believe Sonic X is such a biting social commentary. <laughs> I know, man. Who would have thought? Maybe that's why people. Maybe that's why people didn't like it. It was too cutting edge at the time. Yeah, it was too too real. So, and it's just like Pete poses a question of like, hey, maybe she could be a double agent. Maybe she could be worth her egg. I don't know. Like, shit. Hey, hey. So pissed, Rouge or Topaz is dismissed, and she goes to find Rouge, not in her office, and nowhere to be found. And at Chris's soccer game, he's a little upset that Sonic and the gang weren't there to see him score the first goal and all. And they go home. Chuck says that he hasn't seen Sonic or really anyone for that matter all day. Uh, with all the situation, maybe they were warped back to their home planet. I don't know. Hey. And now, the next scene. <laughs> we see Sonic waking up in the Green Hill Zone. Remember how I was oh, saying God. earlier? <laughs> no, don't take me back. Look, remember how I was saying earlier, this was like the first acknowledgement in a long time of like referencing like the original classic Sonic stuff. Yeah, here it is. Yeah, here it is. For the 15th anniversary too, not bad. Not bad. If you want some cheap nostalgia points, that'll do it. Too bad that's Sega's MO right now, but that's another conversation for another day. Sonic says this all seems kind of familiar to him. Sees some rings, thinks, hey, maybe this weird zone is where the rings come from, but they don't really feel like they're doing anything. Normally, I get a boost of power, but I'm not seeing really much of anything from these. As a motobug crashes into him from behind and he just drops all his rings. Now, Sonic breaks the robot, freeing a little rabbit inside, and, you know, puts two and two together and says, ah, Eggman is behind this. Meanwhile, over Antarctica in the egg carrier, Eggman is holding the head of Emerald and notes to Boko and Dico that now he's been looking into uh, his grandfather, Gerald Robotnik's journals. From reading, he's learned that he is in fact human and is from Earth. And for some reason, Gerald was the reason Eggman was sent to Sonic's world, but doesn't know why. I, I bring this up just because that's something that's never been addressed 
in basically any other Sonic canon. I don't know. I feel like that's interesting. It's very interesting when you consider the fact that, like, Sonic has had depictions where he's on Earth and stuff like that, but the idea that Eggman comes from another world and is just inherently human, yeah, it's cool. I fuck with it. All right. Being inspired from Gerald's notes and with Sonic and the gang out of the way for now, nothing can stop my plans for the moon in particular. So Sonic is running through Green Hill, smashing badniks along the way, collecting rings, even at one point breaking a monitor to grab a shield. He's kind of freaked out by it. He tries to outrun it till he reaches the end and fights what looks like to be Eggman in the Wrecking Ball mech. You know, the first boss of Sonic 1. We've all, you know, you know. This Eggman isn't really responding to Sonic. It's just laughing on a loop. Sonic is hit, loses his shield and rings. He's not hurt. And after hitting the mech a bunch, it breaks and it's able to continue to a capsule, breaking the top and freeing the animals inside. As the scenery live changes to a different locale, Marble Garden. <laughs> I gotta say, this is this is a pretty cute issue. They really just said, "Fuck it, Sonic One. That's it. That's that. That's that's the issue. He's just he's he's playing Sonic One." Yeah. So Sonic continues. He runs inside the the uh, ruins, dodging lava, breaking badniks. As he hears a cry for help, it's Amy. Tied to a pole, she can't summon her hammer weirdly enough, so Sonic leaps over, unties her, and just brings her along. And at the end, another boss fight with the fake Eggman. Sonic gives her some rings, even asking her, like, what's the deal here? Like, why are you giving me these? These only work for you. Sonic's like, no, 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 just trust me. Just hold on to these. They'll protect you. And Amy fly-kicks Eggman's mech, defeating it, as she falls into the lava, but is undamaged thanks to the rings on her and jumps out unscathed. As the locale changes yet again to Spring Yard. Meanwhile, worried about the gang, Chuck and Chris take the X-Tornado to Angel Island to see if something happened to Knuckles. And he's nowhere to be found. Neither with the Master Emerald. And also important to note, Angel Island is still floating in the air. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Think so, about it. Chuck figures uh, something, something a little weird's going on here, bro. Something a little weird. Back to Sonic and Amy, still collecting rings going through Spring Yard, take a hit from a spinning flail, losing their rings. Sonic tells Amy, all right, spin dash with me, go at my count. Which, by the way, seeing Amy in the spin dash is very weird to me. It's but, like, weird. Yeah, this is, I think this is one of the only, like, canonical appearances of Amy spin dashing. Yeah, so it's, th there it is. There it is, folks. There it is, folks. She can spin dash. They go, and in front of them is Knuckles. Both crash into him, and the three fall off the edge of a drop, screaming for their lives. That's the end of number 10. That's the end of the comics we got for you today. My buddy Aaron, what have we learned today? Um, this comic is definitely pretty laid back, but it's fun. It's, it's fun. nice. It's interesting, and like... Uh, uh, let's just say it. This comic's writing style is the antithesis of he who shall not be named. <laughs> that's, I guess, I guess that's the point we're at, huh? Yeah, we're done, dude. We're done. Yeah, I know we're free. But yeah, I enjoyed it. I had fun. It was good. Yeah, it was good. It's cute. Very self-contained stories. If you know, if you like Sonic X, if you like the world it's set up in, you'll like these comics. I think they're pretty good. I think they're fun. They're definitely... I don't know. I had a lot more fun reading these comics than any of the past couple issues so far, but that goes without saying, I think. 
Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, so that's the deal. That's That's been uh, Archie Sonic Digest, another side, another story. As I said before, this is going to be a Patreon-exclusive show. The first episode will be released for free to give you guys a taste. If you guys are interested, patreon.com slash sonicsfeed. This series will be on Patreon exclusively moving forward as low as $2 a month. You'll get the episodes when they're ready. They'll probably... My schedule for these is going to be about one a month, I think. So, so yeah. If you're interested, support on Patreon. And uh, we'll see you next time. Definitely for the regulars in the main show. But see you next time, folks. Bye-bye.